This is the Scottish Football Citizen, bringing you the best of Scottish football from the past. I'm Andy Kerr, and before we get started with this week's podcast, we have some news for you. This episode will be the last edition of The Citizen for a while, and we'd like to thank Museums Galleries Scotland for their help in funding this project, and also Alzheimer's Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. I would also like to thank everyone who has listened to this podcast over the last year. The last year has been one of the most challenging for everyone in living memory, and this podcast always aimed to entertain throughout these uncertain times. All your feedback has been appreciated, and I'm glad that we were able to bring a smile to people's faces. Thanks to everyone who's contributed to the podcast over the past year, including Lindsay Hamilton, Robert Harvey, and Jim Orr. Without them, this podcast just wouldn't have been the same at all. I'd also like to thank Richard McBearty, Demi Boyd, and Tam Gourley for their help in allowing us access to the Scottish Football Museum's archives. This week's episode brings you an interview with one of my heroes of the past, Kilmarnock's Frank Beatty. Born in Stirling in October 1933, Frank rose through the juvenile ranks with Dunapace and Cowie before signing for Bonnie Bridge Juniors. He didn't stay long at junior level, being snapped up by Kilmarnock FC in 1953 and going professional only six weeks after joining Bonnie Bridge. Despite going professional, Frank was part-time and worked as a miner in Stirlingshire. When Willie Waddle took over from Malky MacDonald in 1957, Kilmarnock entered the greatest ever period in the club's history and regularly reached cup finals as well as finishing second in the league on four out of five occasions. On one of those occasions in the League Cup final of 1962 where Kelly faced Hearts, Beatty was denied a last-minute equaliser by referee Tom Tiny Wharton, who had blown for a foul in the build-up to the goal, thus meaning the goal was ruled out. There was speculation that due to the terrible weather conditions at hand in that day, Wharton did not want to play extra time. But this has never been proven, and there was nothing more that Kelly could do as Hearts lifted the cup after a 1-0 win. Just as Waddle was about to retire from management and go into journalism, Frank Beattie captained Waddle's side to their finest triumph by beating Hearts at Tynecastle on the final day of the 1964-65 season to win the first division title. This saw Kelly come up against Real Madrid in the European Cup the following season, and despite a loss at the Bernabeu, Kelly managed to hold a side containing Ferenc Puskas, Paco Gento, and Alfredo Di Stefano to a 2-2 draw at Rugby Park. Beatty suffered a leg break during a match against Celtic in 1969 at the age of 36, and managed to prove the doubters wrong who thought his career was over by recovering to play again the following season. After his return from injury, Kilmarnock held a testimonial match for Frank in May 1971 against Celtic, in which a certain Kenny Dalgleish made his first team debut for the Hoops and scored six goals in a 7-2 win for the Glasgow side. It wouldn't be the last that anyone would hear of him. After hanging up his boots, Frank ran a newsagent in Canvas Barron and had spells in management with Albion Rovers and Stirling Albion before managing Canvas Barron Rovers to victory in the Scottish Amateur Cup final of 1976. Sadly, Frank Beattie passed away in November 2009 and was immortalised by having the main stand at Rugby Park renamed the Frank Beattie Stand. For Kilmarnock fans, he will always be the club's greatest ever player who played a crucial role in the success that the club achieved in the 1960s. Without further ado, let's hear from the man himself. Can you tell me, um, first of all, how you got involved in football as a youngster? I think in these days it was the mining village, that was how you done. Right. You know, everybody played football. And where was that that you were brought up? Uh, Plain, Cowie. My mother died when I was young, and I had two grands, one stayed in Cowie and one stayed in Plain. And I used to go to school in Cowie and spend the weekends in Plain, so I was 
That's <laughs> quite good. Every basis there? Plain. Just been halfway between Stirling and Falkirk. Right. And uh, did you um, think that you were, were you going to go down the mines? Was that your...? No, was, when, I, when I left school, uh, I always wanted to get an apprenticeship someplace. And I had a chance to go to Alexander's and there were nothing vacant at the time. And then eventually, as I said, I, I finished up working in a cooperative. And I worked there for two or three years and then it was time to go to the army and I was called up for the army. And to get a trade, I signed on for five years in the army. And when I went into the army, you sit desks and when I finished up, I got offered a typist job. So I came back out, the Air Force it was, and I went down the pits. What um, school team did you play for? St Moden's High School. Right. And um, were you playing in any kind of juvenile teams as well? Or? Oh, I played quite a few teams. Woodside, Gowan Hill, Dunnypace, Thistle, Cowie Juveniles, mm-hmm. and then I finished up with Bonnybridge Juniors. Mm-hmm. And I only played half a dozen games with them when I was asked to go and play a trial with Kilmarnock. Probably I was I was quite fortunate because the trial that was supposed to be played was at Ibrox against Rangers Reserves and it was called off for some reason, maybe it was waterlogged or something like that. And then I finished up the following week playing at East Stirling, which is just Falkirk. And as I say, I got signed. So that was the start of it. And was that before you went into the army? That was no, this was after this it. Was after this was after it, out. yeah. Right. So how old were you then? I would be, well, 18, I'd be maybe at this time when I'd sign with Kilmarnock, maybe 20 year old. Uh-huh. And what year was that? 53. 53. Huh? So um, who was it that, that discovered you for Kilmarnock? Well, one of the scouts, but you, you mean the manager? Uh-huh, that was Malcolm McDonald. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or was it one of the scouts that came to, to see you play? It was one of the scouts that came to see me play, and he must have recommended me. Well, I played on Saturday, and then on a Sunday, Malcolm McDonald came in the house and signed. I signed huge amount of money, sixty pound. Wow! <laughs> so how did that compare with um, your wage at the time? Or money? Oh, I think uh, you I mean you're talking about in the pits. I mean about five pound or something like that, you know. So it was quite. It was well as far as I was concerned, it was a lot of money, you know. Uh-huh. And was that just a signing on fee and you got your wage on top? Then you got your wage. Well, reserve team wages, of course, I think it was about £4 or something like that, you know, plus a pound bonus if you win. (laughs) (laughs) So when you'd been in the army, um, had you played much football? No, 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 I was only in there, as I say, I went in actually to get a trade, but I would have to have done five years. And the only thing, you know, you get options for what you can be, and I finished up as a typist. Mm -hmm. So with me signing on for the five year made me a regular, so I could come back out. Right. So I came back out and I went to the pits. Mm-hmm. That's what they call them, Bevan boys. Oh. <laughs> and so um, when you when you signed for Kilmarnock, can you remember um, what it was like actually joining the club, you know, going down to Rugby Park? You know? Oh, yeah, it was... I always remember the first time I went down, Uncle Stephen, who's dead now, he went down with me, went down in the train and that. We arrived at Rugby Park and walked in and... Well, he only, he only names like say Bob Thine and Jimmy Middlemas and Jerry Mays and all these players are sitting, you know, and you're sitting in awe of them, you know, not speak to anybody, you know. As I say, that was my first recollection, but as I say, it was, it was quite a good blast, you know, they made you welcome. Mm-hmm. And what about your first game? Can you remember that? Mm, no. No. I can't remember it. No. So, how was it the reserve team that you were Played with the reserve team for about, about a season. My first game in the first team, I think, was Partick Thistle. And I think I scored a goal in that. We got beat 2-1, but I think, I think that was about the first game. Mm-hmm. So how did you get your break in the, the first team? I think it's just a, a gradual process. You know, if, if you're going to make it, you're going to make it, you know. But as I say, I played inside left. And to be honest with you, I, I think I was probably too slow to play, to be an inside forward, you know. But it's some good game. I mean, I finished up... I got an under twenty. Well, I, I was asked. I was picked to play an under twenty threes against England, but I was injured and I couldn't play. But I think I was probably too slow to be an inside forward, or to be any good. Was that the position you'd always? That was played? the position I played and I signed as an inside forward. Now, mm-hmm. but uh, 
I mean, I used to get a hell of a time at Kilmarnock. I mean, the supporters and that. You know, when the, when the teams were read out, I was going through a bad spell at the time. When it came to number 10, BT. <laughs> but as I say, I overcame that, you know, mm-hmm. which is probably good good for you, you know, in the, in the game. How did you cope with that, though? Because that must have been quite difficult if you're a young player and you get that kind of treatment. Well, that's probably what you've got to come through. And I, mean, I, think, I think it stood me in good stead, you know, from, from then on. So it's probably, I, I would be saying to myself, Christ, I'm sure they am, you know. But as I say, it's, I always remember when um, Wally Waddle came as a manager. And before that, he was a reporter for, I think it was the Evening Times or was the Citizen or something like that. And he, he wrote an article, I had played one again, and he was reporting on the game, and he gave me a good write-up, you know, and he said I wasn't a bad player or not, you know. <laughs> but that was first contact with Willie Waddle, and then he finished up as manager at Kilmarnock. And what about, um, you know, the other players that, that were there? Who did you admire in the team when you, when you first joined? Oh, there were umpteen of them, I mean, there were, Tommy Hennigan outside left was a tremendous player. Wee Mount Murray, Davy Curlett, I mean, I could through a lot of them. Jerry Mays, Wee Willie Jack, oh, you could go through. Bob Thine, Jimmy Middlemas, Ralph Collins. You know, these were good players. And did you, were you still living in, in this area when you were playing? I stayed, I stayed in Plain, uh-huh. and then we moved down to Larbert, that's just outside Falkirk. And um, I used to have to travel from, well, my father's house. I'd, I'd, I'd be staying here and then I used to go to my work at the plane pit, go to my father's house and then go for there, down to Kilmarnock. Mm-hmm. Two, two nights a week. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was quite hard going. How did you combine uh, having to train and travel down to train with, with working? Well, it was, you had to in these days. I mean, a lot of people done it. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, there weren't many full-timers at that time. Mm-hmm. And was that a case of... Uh, the, the training was really the only contact you had other than the, the match day? Well, that was it. It was only two days. Mm-hmm. And was there any, ever any kind of time set aside for discussion of tactics or the other team that you were going to face? Well, m- mostly in, in these days, uh, the manager used to come round and he would speak to players individually, you know, and, and I think that was... Yeah, sometimes at training he spoke about it and that, but mostly the manager would come round and he would speak individually, you know, and he would say, you do this, you do that, blah, 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 you know. But it's advancing these days. <laughs> so, I mean, how did, did the teams sort of arrange within themselves, really, how they were going to play, how they were going to... Not really, I think it was... I believe, I believe it now, it was... It was... Everybody played to one in these days. What, what, what I mean by, by saying that is... We went out to score goals. You know, there were none of this five in the middle of the park or three at the back, you play with two up front. I mean, in these days, you play with five forwards. So if you were a half-back, you looked after your inside forward that was playing, and, and, and that was it. But as I say, when, when you attack, you attack with five players, you know. It was different days these days. You get five in the middle of the park, three at the back, two up front. <laughs> you pass the ball about in the middle of the park. So... And what about, um, you know, other players that you faced at the time? Who do you remember? Talking, we were just thinking the other day, was uh, the Man United, Alec Ferguson. <clears throat> Alec was one of these players that was a good player in that. And if you didn't keep Alec in front of you, you know, you always say in football, if you can't see somebody, you're hit. You know, you're, you're caught out, you know. And Alec was one of these players, you know, you would have him there and the play would be, and the next minute you look for him and he'd beat your back and shoot us. The ball would be at the far post and there would be Alec. One of them, yeah. McMillan, Ian McMillan, he was, he was one of these players. I don't know whether Ian was maybe, I don't think he was a lazy player, but when he went to the Rangers now, if you, if you played against him in, in the Rangers and maybe you went on the attack and you went up to back him, you can bet your boots. If it broke down, they would find Ian Way, and he was a good player. Mm-hmm. And that was another one of the one of the best players. Ralph Brand, Ralph Brand was a good player too. Baxter, I mean, you could go through. I mean, hard, hard these days now to name players. Mm-hmm. But I think in my day, I mean, 
supporters. You, you, could, you could name teams, Hearts teams, Hibs teams, and you know Aberdeen teams now. But I don't think you could do that now. Which is maybe a bad thing. And um, was there any players that you can ever remember really giving you a hard time in the pitch? Or? Quite a few. And one of them was, uh, I think, I, I don't know where Benvy stayed, we were Benvy. I remember we played still in Albion. And there were a lot of games off through the, the weather. And Tommy Ferguson is dead now. He got the part all sanded. I think it was for the... You know the buckets, the streets, the thing with that, put it on the part and that. And we Ben, we was a wee, wee chap, and we played it still in that. And he gave me the roasting of my life, and he stuck it through my legs, and he nutmegged me, and he done everything to me, you know. As I say, that was one of the players on me. Because I always remember, I says, I'll get you when you come to Rugby Park. <laughs> but when I came, he'd been transferred to Ruth Rose or something, but we were Ben, he gave me a hell of a roasting it still and I mean, I had to stand a lot because this is my hometown now, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> and that what was about, one of them. What about grounds? You know, going to away matches, what grounds did you like going to? What ones did you not like going to? Didn't I like Motherwell? I don't know why. I think Motherwell kind of sits on a slope. I didn't like Kirkcaldy, Methyl. But I think the, the rest of them were quite, you know, I mean, they're all quite good standards. I liked Rugby Park. The Rugby Park was a cracking park. And what about um, the, the crowds at Rugby Park? What kind of gates would they have been getting there? That was a sore point. Was, I mean, we, the year we won the league, we would be, maybe we were travelling down the car and we'd be passing Rangers supporters' buses, Celtic supporters' buses going up, you know. And we were sitting at the top of the league and we were only getting about, I think, around 10, 11, 12,000. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was diabolical. Why do you think it is that um, you know that people would leave Kilmarnock to go and see Rangers and Celtic, not? I think I think it's, it's down to religion. It's you know, mm-hmm. and for the life of me, I, I I can't understand how it comes into football. You know, mm-hmm. but I suppose that's just me. You know. And was that something that ever uh, manifested itself in any way at Kilmarnock, the sectarian aspect of it? No, not really. No. In fact, we were all quite close at Kilmarnock, you know, and um, we used to go to weekends down at Kilmarnock, down to Eric Murray's, Jack McAnally's, Davy Snedden's, you know, and it was quite a good bunch. So did you socialise quite a lot? Oh, aye, aye, you know, the weekends we used to bring come up there and we'd have a wee party there and then we'd go down to Jack's and we still, still, do it, still meet them in that, you know. Mm-hmm. So when you joined Kilmarnock, were they, um, they were recently... Promoted to the first division, weren't they? Well, I would go in 50, what, 53, and I think they were promoted that year. Mm-hmm. Not because I went, but I mean, it was... <laughs> I went out then, uh-huh. yeah, 53. And what was, um, was there a kind of a difference to the club, um, you know, when being in the first division? What did you notice that was different about it? <coughs> I don't think you would get away with it now, I think... I think it was a, well, a provincial club. I think it was more of a family club. I don't know whether Malcolm McDonald intended it that way. But they used to go to the Ivy for, uh, for their tea, you know what I'm saying, maybe before the game or after the game or whatever. And it wouldn't be, Malcolm would say, like, say, my wife was going to the game, he would say, come along and have your tea, and, and then he would, you know, any, anybody, you know, it was more of a family thing, which was maybe that's what he wanted to create, I don't know. I mean, it was... Just one of these clubs. Mm-hmm. And then in um, 1957, they got to the cup final. Yeah. Was that against Falkirk? Uh-huh. Uh, well, I was injured. Were you? Uh-huh. When did you get injured? I played against East Fife at Methyl. I think it was nothing each. And I'd done the ligaments in my knee. That's another story. Uh, and then from then on, I the week of the cup final, I played against Wraith Rovers. I think it was on Tuesday night. The cup final was on Saturday. I don't know whether I might have been considered it if or no. And did I not do my other bloody knee, ligaments, my other knee and that. So that was me, that was me kaput. So I, I wasn't meant to play against Falkirk. And so then, did you did you go to the game? Then? Oh, I went to the game, yeah. yeah. And what was the day like? What was it? 
well, I mean, for me, I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> you know, you're not playing and... Funny, if I, go to foot, if, I, if I know somebody's playing a football match, I quite enjoy it, but if I, if I go to a game and there's nobody I know, or nobody I'm interested in or anything like that, I don't enjoy it, you know, it's got to be somebody that I know. But I quite enjoyed the game, the first game was a draw and then the second game we could be, you know. And what, at what point was it that you became the captain? She is going to be back now. <laughs> I can't remember. Was it quite a few years into you playing it? Oh, I've got a few years into I played, I, That would be, you'd be talking about it in the 60s. Mm-hmm. About the 60s sometimes. But as I say, I'm terrible for dates, but... And who was it that had been the captain before you? Now you're asking. Ralph Collins. Wally Toner. Probably with Wally Turner. Wally would probably leave. Mm-hmm. He was transferred, I think he went to the house. So can you remember how you were approached to, to be the captain? You know, what did you feel at the time when you, when you took over? Well, I always, always found, as I say, a captain was only somebody that took the ball out. I mean, as I say, because I mean, when you're playing in a game and that, you haven't got time to bloody worry about anybody else but yourself, you know. But it was a great honour, but as I say, it was just somebody to carry the ball out, get the game started. There wasn't any kind of uh, obligation to uh, no have a kind of official capacity yourself? No, the only, the only other thing that would probably be, thing that would be if like say bonuses and anything like that, you know, I mean if say that you're offered so much money or if you're playing in a cup game and maybe the players weren't pleased with that. I would have to go up and see the manager and say so that was a bit the only thing. And did you ever have any sort of difficult situations with that? Ah, one or two. So, did you find yourself being a bit of a diplomat then, having to sort of step in and...? No, I think it's... When you're at that stage, and I mean, the, the manager at that time was Wally Waddle, and, and as I say, even, even Malky came back again. And I think you, you get to know them, so it's it's, it's just like a talk. Mm-hmm. Then he'll say, well, I'll have to take it to the board, and then you take it to the board, and then he comes back and gives you what they say, and that's it. And then... Um, in 1960, you reached the cup final again against Rangers. Rangers, we beat 2-0. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Terrible. Yeah. I can't remember much about that game. All I remember, Jimmy Muller scoring two goals. But I uh, didn't enjoy it at all. I don't think the team played well that day. Mm-hmm. Whether it was nerves or... I think it probably affects some players. Especially as I say, if it's your first time and you're probably over 100,000 there or something like that, you know, and you're, whereas the team you're playing Rangers, I mean, it's kind of second nature to them. It's, you know, they expect to be there and expect to win, so. But it was an experience, eh? But then Kilmarnock started to sort of build in the early 60s, didn't they? They finished quite high up in the. Yeah, game. I think that was probably. just. I think they turned around about full time. Well, most of the players kind of turned about full time at that. And it says they'd been to the cup final, and then that was the start of them. I think they were the most successful team. You know, I mean, for for about all through the sixties, they were either in cup finals, semi finals, or finished second in the league, won the league. No, and I think maybe I used to argue with them a lot, but I think it was probably because McCray came, Walter McCray. He was a trainer at the time. I know I used to call him some names. But as I say, that was probably one. And as I say, Waddle, Waddle was there. And as I said before, it used to be a family club. I think that all changed. You know, discipline and that. And four fingers for your tops and strips inside. And same with the, oh, you know. Which was maybe a good thing. And as I say, the training changed drastically. I mean, it was 
was bloody murder. <laughs> so what, what were the differences when Walter McRae started? As well, no, there were no slackness, you know, I mean, there was, everything was, well, Walter used to be in the commandos, mm-hmm. and, uh, but I said, everything was tightened up, you know, and uh, as, as I say, you used to, always remember it, which was a thing I always, he was never really conscious of it. And uh, he used to, even training on the park, he would turn around and say, who's at the back of you? You know, you'd say, but this is, uh, this is probably part and partial of playing football. You know, you've got to be conscious of everything that's around you. You know, you've got to concentrate. And if you don't know who's there or who's to the left of you, then you're not doing your job right, you know? Mm-hmm. And you used to get maybe 10 press-ups or something like that, you know? So I think it made you concentrate more all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Which before, I mean, before you just run around the track and two or three sprints and a wee kick at the ball and that kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And what was the actual sort of training schedule, you know, what did you actually do? Oh, there were, like say, in the mornings you would go down and they used to make, they used to have circuits, you know, and different things every kind of day and then you'd be back in the afternoon for ball, for ball work. Where, whereas before, I mean, you know, if you're part-time in that, you're lucky if you could you know, an hour and a half at night and, and then you had to leave and you had to get a train and you had to go home and blah, blah, blah. Whereas they say you were morning and afternoon. And then added to that, we has been quite successful in that. You were, you were always on tour or something like that. You know, I think I was about five trips to America, you know. And as I say, the players are all together for five, five, six weeks, which was a good thing. And I think they kind of, they, you built on that. And when you mentioned ball work in the afternoon, what, what did that consist of? Well, that, that was a thing you never you never really worked at. You know, uh, probably because you had any time. I mean, you know, you would maybe go down at, at night and that, and the floodlights kind of run apart and that, and you'd start off and jog maybe five or six laps, and and then you would probably say, right, we'll have two or three sprints and that, right, we'll have a wee game and that. And that was it. Mm-hmm. But with ball work, as I say, you you worked at your control and everything like that, and passing the ball, trapping the ball, heading the ball. I mean, it was all, you know, mm-hmm. which was quite a difference. And what about the American tours? Um, what was the first one that you went on? Uh, I think we finished second in the league, and it was just at the start of it. You know, Mr. Cox was trying to start it in America. And I think he was very friendly with Willie Waddle. And we went over and we qualified for two sections. And we qualified for uh, to go back, I think it was August. And the other section winners was Bangu. And we played them in the polo grounds in the final, I think it was in August now. And it was about 100 degrees. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, it's terrible. I mean, I remember standing and the sweat was pouring off. I mean, this was just at the ceremony, you stand, you know, and the, the band's playing and then the boy comes on and announces it and the goalkeeper is Jimmy Brown and he runs around the park and you go through 22 players, you know. Oh. A good laugh, one of the... Jimmy Richmond, Jimmy played right back and he was playing against Bangu, the Brazilians, cracking players. And one of the Bangu players just recalled it when Bangu, Vaduka, him for the Rangers, you know how he spotted one of the Inferno players. And uh, one of the Brazilians done the same to Jimmy. And I always remember Jimmy says, he says, I ran after him, he says, and sent. And he says, he ran him full, full length of the park. And he says, with this heat. He says, see when I got him? He says, I hadn't a spit left him. He says, my mouth was dry. He says, <laughs> Richmond, uh, And what, um, when you went over to America, was that, I mean, had you been abroad before? Or was no, I'd never been to America. Oh, it was a big thing, you know. Quite exciting at the time, I mean, you were all kitted out, you know, shoes, shirts, blazer flannels, you know, new bags, Kamala FC, you know, no, it was quite exciting. And did you, um, did you tour around and play in different grounds? Well, that was uh, the first year we stayed in New York and we played in uh, the polo grounds. And then after that, they started going to different, you were based in, say, say Dallas and you would go and play in different places and that was bloody terrible. Because you would play one day and then you'd be in the hotel that night and then you'd go back to the hotel. You would leave the next day 
and then you would play the following day and you would and it went, oh chaotic oh. I used to a bit used to say, Yeah, you're lucky you're going to America and I'd say, Christ But as I say once but the first first year we were there it was it was magic. Mm-hmm. Stayed in New York all the time mm-hmm. and played there all the time. And what about, um, you know, going sightseeing and things like that? Did they sort of make it a holiday for you as well? Well, as I say, at that time, it was... Um, Wally Waddle was the manager. And the only stipulation that he laid down was the night before a game, you had to be in by 10 o'clock. And that was it. You could sightsee. I mean, it was more of a kind of holiday than that. Thoroughly enjoyed it, you know. But then, when it was changed, then you had to play these other teams in different country, places, you know. Oh, all you were doing was travelling and playing, travelling and playing, travelling and playing. Mm-hmm. So can you remember any teams in particular apart from Bangu that you faced? Eintracht, Ferencvaras, Bangu, what was it, Oro, Mexico, uh, one or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Burnley, played Burnley. Mm-hmm. Uh, did we play Arsenal? Well? West Ham. Quite a few clubs. Yeah. And was that a you know a, a footballing education for you as well? Was there a, a marked difference in the styles of um, teams from you know like South America or European teams? Did you notice? The only difference, difference I noticed is the when we played Bangu in the final. I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but I, I think it was probably part of their build-up, the way they played. Bangu could play the game at a certain pace, you know, simply continue, and then suddenly maybe a five or a ten minute spell they would speed up and, and then it would come it down again and I, I didn't know whether it was intentional but when you see the, the modern day football now I think probably this was the kind of start of it you know and I, I said to myself I wonder if that's just accidental or whether you know it was intentional mm-hmm. you know they'd get it and they'd stroll about with it and, you know, you, and then suddenly maybe a five minute spell and then it would come it down again you know. but it's probably, that was probably the start of the kind of modern football which I don't like do you, um, do you remember coming back to Kilmarnock and uh, you know, being asked to incorporate anything that you'd, you'd seen in the style of these other teams? Um, I think I think that was a start maybe of it. I think Waddle and uh, McCree went to Italy and at that time Herrera was the, was the head kind of, was the top coach. And I think it was maybe, I think it was maybe the start of the football we're getting now. Because when he came back, the, this, this was the start of the sweeper, you know. So I remember we're having a talk and team talk, and he was saying, hey, we're going to try this and la la la." And he says, "Frank, he says instead of me playing half back, I would play it in the back four. This is the start of the back, the back four." And he would say, right, Jack McGrory, you'll pick up the centre, you'll pick up the two wingers, two midfield players will pick up them. He says, Frank, you'll play the back. Now he says, anything that comes past these defenders, he says, you've I says, on both sides, you know, and that side, and that. I said, oh, Christ. <laughs> but anyway, that was the start here, and it's kind of snowball for there. I mean, no even sweepers now. I mean, as I say, you sometimes play with four at the back, you sometimes play with three at the back, five in the middle, you know. And I think this was the start of it. And was that, um, can you remember when they came back from that trip to Italy, what, um, you know, how they sort of involved the players and what they'd actually learned or what they'd seen? Well, that was that was the start of it. I think it was more of uh, you mark man for man and you had a spare man at the back, so anything that was left, their spare man was left at their back, you know. So if, say they played with four forwards, we would play with four forwards and I would be spare at the back. So anything that broke... I had to mop it up, so I quite enjoyed it. Had you begun to feel that you were a, a championship winning side? Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Um, I always thought we, we, we could win a championship. And as I say, I think between Hearts and I, I think Hearts blew it that year. You know, we, we had to go to um, Tynecastle and we had to win 2 0. I think 2-1 was no use to us, it was, you know, it was percentage of goal average and goals, goals for and goals against. And I think, uh, I, always, I always thought we could win cups and things like that, but 
No, no, it's. I think it's something that's inbred, and, and most of the clubs you're going to finish up against is going to be Celtic Rangers. And I think it's maybe, as you say, you get into the habit of winning, or you get into the habit of losing. And I think the Rangers and Celtic get in the habit of. They, they're expected to win, you know. So to me, I think maybe that's what was provincial clubs, I think that's where they're always going to be struggling. And especially now, I mean, you're. They are going to be struggling now because they've just not got the money. Mm-hmm. It's all about money now. So as you came towards the end of that season, um, you know, where you begin to think we can actually win this league here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I quite fancied us when we went to Tynecastle because we were, at that time we were really playing well, you know. And I think everybody was confident that day. And after the game, we all went down to Kilmarnock and, and before I stayed, I stayed in Stirling and most of the players would arrive and say, say they were going to Edinburgh play at Tencastle well it's quicker for me just going to Tencastle and most of the players would go to Edinburgh and so I took my car and when you talk about getting excited about a game and that or after the game, you, 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 when we won the game, I had to take my car from Edinburgh and down to Kilmarnock. And I came through the streets and the place was hot, you know, so I got into Rugby Park. I remember Campbell Forsyth. He was the reserve goalkeeper. And we went to the reception in the park and we were in. And as I say, I went up to the bar and I said, she says, what would you like to drink? Celebration drink. And I says, I'll have a vodka and orange. She says, I've no vodka. And I says, well, what have you, something like that? You know, and she says, well, gin, and just about the same. So I had a gin, and I didn't like it. So after we got, I think we'd announced, blah, 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 you talk about going flat. I says to Campbell, you fancy going home? And he says to me, he says, yeah. So we sneaked out of the place and I got in my car and I drove Campbell home. And I got to, we used to stay up the north end and I chapped it. I do this time, it about two o'clock in the morning. And my wife says to me, what are you doing home? Oh, I said, I'm fed up. <laughs> you know, you talk, because I mean, you should be on a high after you hang with that. But as I say, probably the game get built up in excitement and then <clears throat> you just come down like that. So I came home. So that was my... Winning of the league. <laughs> and what was it like? Can you remember the build up to the game? Um, you know, in the town? I think everybody was excited. I mean, there were, there were a tremendous support there. And see, I, in fact, I was quite surprised because we must have had more support there than we had at our local home games, you know. It was terrific, you know. And, but as I say, after the game, I just went flat. Mm-hmm. In and fact, what? If I'd have said, somebody would have said to you, can I go home? I'd have said, aye, right, OK, I'll go home. What was it like actually in the park, you know? Was the, were you aware of there being a kind of tension, you know, knowing that you had to score no. uh, the goals? No, no, no. I think if you... I think that when... Relating back to what I said, you, you know, like the Celtic Rangers players, if you get tight and you get tension, then you can't play football. You know, I mean, if you're if you're nervous, I mean, that's that's one of the things you shouldn't be. And I think our players at that time were starting to get they expected to win. You know, and, and this is part and parcel of it. Mm. So, what was it like then when the, the final whistle went? As I say, magic. Uh, what I can remember, as I say, final whistle blew, and all I can see is Willie Waddle, and he came running for the, the dugout, and he jumped on me, and I think we like that. And then, but after that, I mean, that's as far as I'm concerned, that, that was it. I mean, it was. I went flat after that, and I could have came home. I mean, no, that was it. And what about going up to collect the cup? Well, you didn't get the cup then. This is the league cup, right. uh, league championship. Did you get a medal? Did you get? You a medal? got a medal, uh huh. Yeah, I got a medal. Uh-huh. Don't know what it is though. So. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you uh, did you celebrate in the days after that? Or no. 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 Or were you aware of the, you know, the 
people that worked at the club or the rest of the players? Did they carry on the celebrations? Or? Well, I don't know. As I say, that was I think that was about the last game of the season. I think. Uh, and as I say, I had to come home. And I don't think any, but well, they'll probably have a party that night to come on or come out, but to see, I was home. Mm-hmm. And what about, uh, you know, like your friends and family and everything, were they all quite excited or? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't really, I don't think so, no. Mm-hmm. no. Two girls, I mean, two girls, I don't think they were that really keen on what happened in the football world, you know. And then, um, was it the same year, was it 1965, you went to Albania? Went to Albania. Uh-huh. What was that like? Poor country. Poor country. Tell you one, and one or two... Oh, when you talk about that, when you talk about being excited in a football park and that, I remember it was probably the only time I ever thought what would happen in a football park, well, nothing each, and the game was going, I thought we should have had a penalty, about maybe 10 minutes to go. And it dawned on me then, see, what if this referee would have awarded a penalty? There must have been 40,000 at the game, and they were all dressed in dark clothes, and you know, like that. And I said, what if there had been a break in, where would you have went? Well, I mean, the, as I say, it was 40,000, all, all dark clothes, and you know, and the hangar was nothing that. And I was the only time I was ever I ever thought came to me, you know, in a football park. Now what happened? I mean, you've seen, like, say, I mean, the cricket yesterday. You know, the crowd breaking in and that. Where do you go? And especially in Albania. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh no, as I say, but it was hotels and things like that. Oh, poor country. That uh, we got our spending money when we arrived there. We couldn't buy any. To give the to give the money back to Malcolm McDonald's. What was that? Just the. No, no, it's better. No, it's better. And what was it like travelling into the country? Because they must have had quite stringent controls, you know, for people getting in. What I can recall uh, when we the the airport, or as I say, the Nissan hut, when we arrived, there was a kind of to me it looked like a hayfield, you know, on the runway and that. And there were guards with the guns, you know, all lined up and the thing went and then true, but say, oh, terrible country. Mm-hmm. And then I got you through to meet Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. What was that like? I didn't play like? against Real Madrid. Oh, did you not? No. Neither? Neither against. No. I went to Spain with them, with Madrid with them. Mm-hmm. I had a chance of playing in that, but it just had a pool and it, it wasn't enough. But the good game at Kamarnock, two each, be a bit unlucky. But they were a good side, Real Madrid. But Kamarnock done well against them, I mean, they did. And what's it like seeing players like Pushkas? Oh, marvellous, marvellous. But I'd like, to, I'd like to have played at one of the games, you know, just to say that. It'd been a beautiful stadium, you know. And then uh, in 67, they reached the semi-final of the, the Fairs Cup. Yeah. Were you involved in that? Yeah. Game? Mm-hmm. What was that like, meeting Leeds United? Yeah, actually, we were, we, I think Big Jake had a brainstorm, sent a half, Jack McGrory. And before, Malcolm McDonald was the manager at the time, and we had a team talk before the game, and Malky told us the way Leeds would play. And he says, he says, they'll play, they've got two backs, two overlaps. This was the start of the overlapping backs. He says, they've got two backs, and they'll play it to the front men. They'll knock it back to the midfield players, and the backs will come wide, and they'll throw it in. And at that time, Leeds had Big Jones, Belfit, you know, six feet plus, you know. He says, they'll knock it in, and they'll just look for the scrapes. And that's the way they played. And a couple of times... Gave away a couple of penalties, I think. And Jack McGrory, one of the times they threw a ball, and Jack punched the ball, and I says to him, What the hell did you do that for, Jack? And you're talking about nerves and things like that, you know. And Jack says, I never touched it. And I, I'm standing at the back of him, and Jack punched the ball, you know. And it, to this day, he says he never touched it, you know, and he did. And I think we got beat. Was it 2 9, 3 9? 
doing now? I think they were a couple of penalties on it. And we drew nine each at Kilmarnock. But I mean, that was that was the Leeds, the good side, you know. Bremner, Giles, Lorimer, Hunter, Charlton, Rainey, you know, all of the nationals, you know, Spray, quite a good players. Eddie, what's his outside left name? No matter anyway. But they were a good side too. And um, can you remember the, the run in the, the Fierce Cup that you'd had to get to the semi final? Yep. <laughs> Ah, you'll find out, as soon as I say. Uh, yeah. No, I couldn't tell you. And what about, can you remember any games against other European opposition? Anything that sticks in your mind? In track, the five, five game. I thought that was the, the best result, the best commander ever played that night, was against Eintracht. Because, I mean, Eintracht were a good side at that time. And they had a, a lead from the first game, didn't they? Three nothing. Oh. And then... Uh, <laughs> I always remember it was just in the first two or three minutes. We were all kind of before the game, we're building each other up. Go on, we've got If we can get an early goal, I says, we're in with a game, we're in with a shout. So the game just started in the first five minutes, and then we had one for 25 yards, and I went rocking in the net. I said, four nothing, I said, no much bloody chance now. But we did. Five, we scored five. They played really well that night. How difficult was it to keep positive after you'd lost it? Well, I think when you get to that stage, as I say, you're not you lose then. You know, so as I say, anything you get now is a bonus. So we just we just went out to score goals and they just happened to come. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, was it 1970 or so, you went on a tour of Rhodesia? No, I didn't go. Right. I had my leg broke. Right, did you? How, how, how did that happen? Uh, Parkhead. Against Celtic, me, Jimmy Johnson, and I went for a ball, and that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long did that take you to recover from? About two years, mm-hmm. just well, just over two years, and then I finished up playing in '73. Mm-hmm. And so, was that a, a very bad break? Uh, uh, two bones, right. and uh, I don't think. I don't think they thought I would have played again because I mean they were it wasn't even as though they were they were sheared, you know, two bones. But I was thinking about that the other day. The one thing about Kilmarnock, maybe we were lucky in a way we had McCray and Doctor Ralston and Doctor Simpson and that because you know when you talk about football players and you meet them and that and they'll say, How are you how are you feeling? Oh my hips are sore, or my knees sore, or my ankles sore or something like that. And yeah, I'm 65, soon be 66. And, you know, the attention you got was first class. And then you're up to hospital and that, you know, Mr. Ralph and Mr. Simpson. Magic. What was the, the treatment like when you, when you broke your leg? Um, in well, terms of like physiotherapy and whatnot, what did you actually receive? I was, uh, I went to Glasgow and I fixed my leg in Glasgow and they wanted me to go to Kilmarnock. But I says, no, I says, I'll come through to Stirling. And I think why they wanted me to go to Kilmarnock, because I would be, you know, they would be looked after there. So I went to Stirling and I would, over a year, I think it was about a year, and it was in plaster for quite a while. And they kept x-raying it and that, and it wasn't in there. So anyway, I got the, the, the plaster off and Months after that, I would go back to the doctor, you know, come back and see me in a month, and come back and see me in a month, and that. And I went back this day, and he says, How's it feeling now? I was on this time, I was on sticks. He says, How's it feeling now? I says, Fine. I says, But it's still sore when I, if I put any weight in it. Oh, that's to be expected, he says. Uh, I says, Can I start playing football? He says, Aye. He says, Don't, don't let anybody fall in it or anything like that. I says, Oh, no. I'm saying, I said, Christ, I could hardly walk in the bloody thing. And I says, can I kick a ball? He says, oh, aye. So I left there and I went down to Kilmarnock and Hugh Allen uh, says, we'll go up to Kilmarnock Royal. We'll get Mr Simpson and go to X-ray. And one of the bones was only a quarter in it. And I was saying, what's that? This stupid bugger. Kick a ball, I don't let anybody fall. I think I didn't play for about six months after that. 
In actual fact, Mr. Simpson was talking about a bone graft. You know, thing went up. But as I say, Christ, I, I don't let anybody fall. You can kick a wall. I could hardly bloody walk. <laughs> and so, did you have a lot of contact with Kilmarnock while you were out through injury? Did you go down to the club for anything? Well, after, as I say, I, I was. I had this plaster on, you know, a full-length plaster on. Once I got that off, I was used to go down every day. And unknown to Still and Royal, I was getting x-ray down at Kilmarnock, and they could tell me more than Still and Royal could. Well, I believe Still and Royal. I mean, as far as they're, they're not bothering whether you're a football player or not. They just want you to be able to walk out, and that's it. And so what kind of support did you get from, you know, the players in the club itself? Oh, magic. Great. But as I say, once uh, you're out of the game that long, I don't think you ever kind of get back to the same. Were you able to try and uh, sort of keep yourself fit in some way or train? No, really, no. So how did you get back to fitness? Well, as I say, it's, when, once you get over the initial pain, the pain goes away and then you start training again. But as I say, you're never the same, really. Well, especially at that age. I mean, I'm, I, I would be, what, 35 at that time, you know. So, I mean, it's... No, any youngster. <laughs> and so, what? That was seventy-three that you. Yeah, finished up. Was that yeah. your own decision to? No, 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 no. You get your uh, cards and you say thanks very much. <laughs> B forty-five. <laughs> and uh, were you going to look for another club? Did you? No, I was approached by Albion Rovers. In fact, I don't think I would have had a chance to go to Wraith Rovers. And I, I went to Albion Rovers. And I had a year with them, and then I had a year plus the start of the season at Stirling Albion, and then I just packed in. Because mm. you're, to me, you're fighting against hope for these clubs, you know. Mm. No money, no players, blah, blah, blah. Was mm. so, that a real difference going from Kilmarnock to a club player? It was, yeah. Because I don't think. Well, as I say, that's it's more maybe kind of these clubs are mostly part time at that time. You know, I've been Rovers and still and been in that, and I think they're all reverting back to part time now. And I don't think the commitment was there, as far as I was concerned. You know, the commitment wasn't there. I found I was. I remember after a game, I get certain players, and I'd be keeping them around, getting on to them, and do this and that and. And then I'd be picking them next week again, and I'd be saying, myself, that's not bloody right. Mm-hmm. Declining them one week and then playing them the next week. Mm-hmm. So, I think maybe I learned early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And did, you had quite a long career with Kilmarnock. Did you ever uh, have a chance to go to another club or want to go to another club? I never wanted to go to another club. But I had one or two chances to go, but I know, as I say, my wife wouldn't have went anyway. <laughs> no, she wouldn't have. So what clubs were interested in? I think uh, Blackpool at that time and Preston North End and I think Man City at one time. And was that um, when a club was interested in you, did they approach you directly? No, they would have to go through the club mm-hmm. and maybe the club would say, no, I wouldn't it. So was that a case if you find out about it afterwards? That they ah, you find out, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thanks very much. Right, do. The Scottish Football Citizen is written, edited and produced by Andy Kerr for Football Memories Scotland, in association with Alzheimer's Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. Additional contributions from Robert Harvey, Jim Orr, Lindsay Hamilton and Richard McBrearty. This interview comes from the Scottish Football Museum Archive.